We are recording. Let's get it. Welcome in, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Frogs of War podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell, and alongside me is my co-host, Anthony North. We've got a great episode planned for today. We'll be covering some quick news hits from around the TCU sports world, as well as recapping last week's episode where Anthony and I predicted the uh, college, or not college station, sorry, I'm thinking about TCU baseball, but the super regional stage and who would move on to uh, the College World Series. So we'll be talking about who who picked right, who picked wrong, who won that. Well, you know, we'll get into it. But a little bit of a wrap-up, as you may have seen on the website yesterday, uh, we posted the first of what will be a series, uh, just an overall recap kind of from the 2021-2022 athletic year. We're going to go sport by sport, chronological order, starting with soccer. That's the one that's up now. So go check that out and also be on the lookout for more articles. But for now, we're going to be discussing kind of a little bit of the key points from each sport uh, and all their accomplishments from their season this year. And of course, closing the out with some of our favorite moments from the year before a little teaser to next week's episode where we're going to do some superlatives. But don't need to think that far ahead. Let's go ahead and get right into it with some quick news hits. Anthony, what do we got? Yeah, so... First thing happening this week, so the MLB draft combine is happening in San Diego this week. Um, starting Thursday and Friday, you can actually catch it on MLB Network. So if, if you have that, you can you can watch some of this stuff live. But um, TC Horn Frogs, Riley Cornelio, and Austin Krobe will be attending. They've been invited. Um, that's not necessarily an indication or a, or a definitive that they will be um, – continuing professionally and departing Fort Worth uh, to, to a professional career, but it is um, an indication that they are strongly considered by, uh, by the big leagues as, as top prospects. So we talked about them being on the prospect list last week and, and potentially departing the roster. Uh, certainly we'd, we'd love to have them back at, at TCU and, and leading the, uh, the pitching staff for the frogs into next season, but uh, certainly have a um, an opportunity here in the pros uh, to show off what they've got. Yeah, I think both of them definitely deservedly made this, uh, you know, made the combine, got the invite. And I think for Cornelio's sake, and maybe this is just kind of the fan side of me, and obviously I want both of them back, but looking at it, I think Crow would probably have the better shot of like an instant transition you know, his injury has to be fine. He has to be working on all cylinders in that aspect. But I think Cornelio just has a little bit more, I don't know if maturity is the word, but just like consistency, I guess, to develop because he has the stuff. He has some nasty stuff and definitely major league potential. Um, but like, you know, like we said last week, like Schlossnagel even commented in the post-game presser, Austin Crow might be the next great lefty out of TCU. So I, I wouldn't be too surprised, but if they were to be drafted like in the later rounds, what do you think they would do? Do you think they would come back for another year? I would like to think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's hard to give up that once you've got that professional, the taste of, of the professional dream mm -hmm. um, to just kind of decide to walk away from it. I mean, both of these guys have struggled with some injuries and, you know, you, you don't want to kind of put yourself in a position where you throw that opportunity away. Um, and, and certainly I, I would think coming back for both of them, they could, they could improve their slots, uh, particularly Riley. Um, yeah, for sure. but, but Crobe kind of going out in, in his best performance of the season, 
um, in against AM last week and showing that he's back from the injury. I think, I think he's definitely in the best spot to where, you know, he probably could have gone pro after last season, to be honest. And so we, we got lucky to get him back another year and I, I wouldn't expect him to, to come back this season. Yeah, kind of taking one out of Kirk Sarlus's book uh, when he was talking about Tommy Sacco and like how he went from last year having a bit of hitting struggles to now being such a key offensive piece to the team. Um, I, I think Austin Krobe could develop. Like, hold on, sorry, I'm kind of blanking right now. You pick it up. I, I just forgot exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it possible that he becomes an ace number one starter? We know he has the stuff. He has that ability. Um, and and he w- could could come in and and become that guy who becomes a first round draft pick. Um, and, and, you know, do you, do you make yourself an extra million dollars by co- spending an extra year in Fort Worth? Maybe, but, um, it's, it, it'll be a tough decision for him personally, I, I imagine. Yeah. I just remembered what I was going to say. Total brain fart there, but Sarlus was basically saying that MLB teams don't necessarily look at, you know, what you can do. Obviously they look at your skill set, your talent, but they more so look at whenever you have a setback, how do you come back? You know, like how do you fight back from that setback rather than just giving up type of thing, which obviously is going to be important. But I think Krobe, although it's just one game, that's pretty big to have like his performance of the year after such a long hiatus without a a start, without pitching more than two innings. And then to come out there and do that definitely would help his uh, his stock in the draft. But again, would love to see them both come back. So hopefully hopefully we see him in purple and white again next year. But best of luck to both of them who knows what will happen so whatever's best for them that's what i hope happens yep on to some uh some conference-wide news so the the big news this past week um it was announced that the the teams from the american conference will formally be able to to join the big 12 um in the 2023 athletic season so starting starting next year um, we already knew BYU was scheduled to join for next year. So now also Houston and Cincinnati and UCF will be joining the fold here in the big 12. Um, and it, it's, it's going to be a, re- a really interesting and unique season because still officially, technically Oklahoma and Texas will still be in the conference at that time. Um, so with the, with the media deal and, and officially their deal to leave for the sec is not until I think 25. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so maybe have, uh, you know, an opportunity to, you know, for the Sooners to travel to, to Nippert in Cincinnati or, uh, or the Longhorns to travel to the bounce house in Orlando, you know, so there, there's definitely some some fun opportunities here, and it'll be an interesting. Uh, there's a lot on the table too, because it'll be a question of does the Big Twelve do some sort of division um, setup where where you split the split sides and and have a conference championship by divisions. Um, a lot to be decided by the conference office, and probably a lot for us to talk about over the next year as that all kind of plays out. But um, it's it's exciting that we get those teams formally to join next season, and um, and we'll be. I'm I'm looking forward to welcoming 
welcoming those fans and those teams in. Um, I still wish Memphis was one of them, but, yeah. uh, but, but it's, it's going to be, it's interesting times in the big 12 for sure. I was on the, uh, the Boise state hype train whenever this was all coming together. I really wanted to kind of restore that slight rivalry, not like a true rivalry, but there's a little bit of bad blood, but no, I am very excited to see how this is going to pan out. There's been just so many question marks surrounding this. And, you know, obviously I don't, work for the NCAA. I don't, I don't know all the semantics and the details of how these contracts work out, but you know, like Anthony said, they're supposed to be stuck until 2025 because of their media rights deal, but it doesn't necessarily make sense to me because the buyout for OU and UT don't quote me. I think it was around like 78 million. They would make that in one year back in the sec, like one season, they would make that back in profit. So I'm kind of still a little bit confused, you know, it's like why to, they are electing to stay OU and UT. I get the big 12's perspective. You know, they're trying to get their money, trying to keep things on contract, keep it under order without just letting people go willy nilly. But, you know, OU and UT could literally just say deuces whenever they wanted to theoretically. So I've, I've kind of never really got that. Yeah. You would think, I mean, what, what's money to the, to the Sooners and the Longhorns? I mean, it, these, it, the money doesn't matter, right? It's, it's fake. Exactly. It's fiction. Yeah, like that's it's, why they're it's going monopoly to- money. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. So, yeah, that's why I, I keep kind of saying, you know, they are technically still in the conference through 25, but I I, I do think there's going to be continued negotiations on that and, and yeah, efforts from, from those presidents and athletic directors to make their way to the SEC as soon as they can. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm also excited too, just in general, not only for the, the weird two-year mashup of the massive conference, but just in general, the conference outlook uh, for the future with these new teams. Like, man, basketball is going to be nuts. I know we're talking about football right now, but basketball is going to be nuts with these new teams. All of them are tournament-caliber teams. And, you know, football, <laughs> I mean, Cincy's not too bad. Houston, not too bad. None of them are too bad. UCF 2017 national champions. <laughs> You know, quote don't, unquote. Don't do that. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna give it to him, honestly. I'll give it to him. All right. Well, yeah, give give the frogs the 14 and the 10 and the, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I will. I will. Yeah, Trust let's me. take it. I mean, but <laughs> I would love to see that matchup too. The UCF TCU, that would be a fun one. I feel like we're kind of both like I don't want to say the people's underdog, but we've kind of been a very big underdog for a long time. That and, and I don't know if it's just Obviously, I'm a TCU fan, so I like TCU. But a lot of people like UCF just because they're the little guy, you know, and like they just want to see them knock uh, off the big teams. So. I don't know. I think I think people liked UCF until they did that whole national championship. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you might be I right. Know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old man. I'm like, nah, get that. No, nah, you, you might be right because they were they were showing like, oh, look at our rings. They got rings for that. That's. It's a little embarrassing to be honest, but so know, yeah, whatever. they did take it a bit far. I thought maybe like a tweet or something would have been fine, but yeah, I mean, it's all fun games, I guess, but they haven't been back to that caliber since. So who knows if they'll be able to, to make the jump to the big 12. That's one thing that I'm kind of curious about too, you know, is everybody talked about with TCU going from the mountain West to the big 12, would they be able to handle it? Cause it's a pretty steep curve. So are all these new teams going to be able to just, pick it up right away. I think Houston is probably going to have the biggest struggles. Yeah. I I mean, I think there's, there's clear, there's a clear jump in, in just depth and talent. Um, But I I don't think it'll take long for them to be able, I mean, these are, 
these are pretty strong programs with with strong recruiting bases that have recent uh, history of of really performing at a high level. So I think I think they're going to come right in and and all be in the middle to upper uh, part of the conference. I mean, I, I don't think they're really? going to come in and be be bottom dwellers right away. I mean, well, I mean, I guess. As long as Kansas is around, no one, <laughs> yeah, nobody's nobody's taking that spot. Yeah. Football, but um, you know, I I think they could th- they'll be competing with TCU and Oklahoma State and Baylor at the top of the conference. You have to think, um, you know, once U- UT and Oklahoma are gone, I mean, I I I, I don't know, I don't know. We we talk about UT; they they haven't really done anything in the conference in a while, so. Yeah, it's more, yeah, it's it's just, more Oklahoma at the top and then everybody else. But it's also uh, just that UT name. Yeah. But I think the reason I kind of said Houston at first was, I don't know. I don't know if they're necessarily going to transition right away. They got Dana Holgerson still, right? He, yep. He's still, yeah. So oh, that's yeah. the only reason that I kind of give him hope <clears> a little bit is that he knows the conference. He knows how to get it done. But I'm mostly curious to see Cincinnati. Wait, what were you going to say before I go on? Yeah, I mean, just Houston, you know they're going to get dudes. I mean, the, just the sheer number yeah, of, of athletes in Houston. Up. I mean, they're, to, to be able to say, all right, you, you get to come play in the Big 12 and stay at home, basically. The, the, the number of superstar athletes that come out of there, I mean, it's it's going to be – they have the ability to recruit at as high a level as anyone in the conference. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. So, de- yeah, definitely like within two or three years, they'll bolster up their – because I'm sure their recruiting is going to get 10 times better being in the Big 12. So, and especially just a Texas team in general, Houston being one of the biggest hubs. Hell, yeah. So, I don't know, though, for the first year, we'll see. Maybe I'm just a little bit biased because I have my teams that I like and don't like, you know, just watching college football. And I've always seen Houston as kind of – that one where I'm like, if they're ranked, I'm like, man, there's there's so many other group of five teams that deserve this more, you know, but it, it is what it is. But the one that I really am curious to see is Cincinnati. And that's a bit ironic because they are kind of the top dog of this new group of four, being that they were literally in the college football playoff last year. But I'm curious to see if they can pick it up right away. And I really think they will because I – I'm big on Luke Fickle as a coach. I'm big on that system they got. I know they lost Desmond Ritter, but I'm sure they're going to sh- fill his shoes pretty quickly. Their recruiting has been great over the Their past Their recruiting years. has been very, yeah. very strong. So they, I, I don't see them falling off at all coming yeah. into the conference. Anyway, we talk about hubs like Ohio. <clears throat> Ohio's probably like second or third in the country, I guess, behind Texas and California probably. So like, they're not picking up too shabby recruits either. So – that's going to be a fun one. I'm excited for that. Plus, I have family. I'm actually wearing my Bengals shirt right now, ironically. So I was going to say I have family in Ohio, so that'll be a fun one. Maybe fly down for that game. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, there was there was some other there was some other news on that about uh, the, the basketball scheduling, the way that they, they plan to do that with the new members coming in. That, um, oh, yeah, they're keeping you'll, it. Yeah, you'll get five home and homes. So you, you it's the same number of conference games, but you won't get mm-hmm. to play. It's not true round robin anymore, obviously. So you wouldn't get to play everybody home and home. Um, so you, you'd get, and 
I guess there would be some attempt to keep like uh, natural rivals or something like that in uh, in your five home and homes. Um, I think it I think it'd be kind of cool if they just let UT and OU play the new guys as the as the home and homes, just so you know that give those fan bases they they get a chance to to yell at Texas and and Oklahoma yeah, exactly. in, their, in their home stadiums. I mean that's that's a fun thing to do. Yeah, and it also kind of is like a transition period almost to get UT and OU away from the core of the Big Twelve. Yeah, the irate eight, as as they may say. But no, I I think it'll be pretty sweet in in general. The basketball with the five home and home. I think we might end up getting though a super tough schedule. Yeah, like the, the Texas Baylor Tech. Texas Tech. Yeah, Baylor Houston. Texas Tech. Those are two for sure. Houston's probably going to come up in one of them, and then probably Oklahoma State as well. Yeah, that's that's tough. That. Yeah, I don't even care who the fifth team is. That would just already be brutal. But we're used to it. You know, we've we've had a tough schedule every year, made it to the tournament this year. So with hey, with this team though, next year, honestly, we could we could home and home anybody. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to home and home Kansas. Let's go sweep them. I'm confident. Yeah, and I guess sticking on basketball, just a little bit of basketball news that that came through in the last week. So it's it's uh, official that the TCU basketball will be participating in the Emerald Coast Classic again, um, a kind of non-conference preseason, early season tournament that uh, the Frogs won back in 2017. Um, and that's been that's been known for a while, but now we know that uh, the Frogs' first round matchup in, I guess it's just outside Destin um, in Florida, uh, will be the Cal Bears. Um, a team that TCU should run off the floor. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, and it's, you know, it's, it's early to be talking that big talk like that, but, but, you know, Cal finished sub 140 in Ken Palm last year. um, And TCU is expected to be really good. So that's a game that, that the frogs have to win um, on a neutral floor. It's, it's a game, maybe Cal, surprises and can be in the top 100 and that that makes it like a a, a q2 win being on a neutral floor i think if i'm if i'm remembering my hey, quadrants sweet. but you know y- y- you lose that kind of game and it, it could end up being a q3 loss and and that's that would be really bad to the resume um going okay, into yeah. march as a team like tc you can't afford any blemish on your resume like that like at all because the committee is going to look at it and they're going to blow it up. They're going to turn a, a molehill, take it into a mountain, you know, just off that one little blip. So yeah, every, everything matters. And then the, the, on the other side of the bracket, it'll be Clemson and Iowa. Um, Iowa was certainly excellent this last season, um, but losing Keegan Murray um, to to the NBA, he's he was a superstar. So we'll see how they they jump back. Um, but those are both teams that are at least bubble quality and, and probably tournament quality. So I'd say um, they're both tournament quality. Yeah. So, so you're, you're getting an opportunity to get a win and then get a, a big time game where you can really boost the resume. So yeah, big um, out of conference win. Yeah. I guess uh, just to say for Cal, they did add a transfer Devin Askew, who was a, a four-star top 30 uh, top 40 level recruit was uh, as a freshman at Kentucky. He he started a bunch of games, transferred to Texas, and really didn't play much at all. I think he he played like 
30 minutes total in the, in the three games against TCU, um, not producing very much, but um, obviously a big time talent. I don't, I don't know how much that adds to, to Cal as a threatening team, but um, you know, we've, we've seen the frogs run into those teams where they have one star and, and it, it knocks them down. So uh, it's it's looking far ahead. That's not until the end of November. Uh, yeah, it's like I mean it's fun time, but you know we're it's it's June and and we've got only so much to talk about. So yeah, it's yeah. fun to ponder it because I mean it is also just big. Like we kind of have to win that game, and it is ironic to say you have to win the first game of a very long season against a subpar team. But you know TCU surprises you every now and then. We're supposed to be really good, but you know like last year in what was it the SoCal Challenge. Drop that game against Santa Clara, like yep. an ugly game. Because I think we play Santa Clara ten times, we beat them eight out of ten times, probably. Santa and that's Clara's one of those they had a team. they had a star. He's going to be in the NBA. He's going to be drafted probably in the first round this year. That I, I can't remember his name off the top, but they they've got a they've got a dude. And when you've got a got a dude and you don't play up to 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 stop him, uh, you know you you end up dropping a game like that. Where yeah, that just losing that game alone kept TCU on the bubble probably exactly. longer than should have. It, it was a, yeah. it was a blemish. It was exactly. So I think having a Santa Clara loss would be better than having a California loss. So I prefer to uh, not have any more blemishes next year, but we still got a long way to go until that, but yeah, it's a long way, but I did see uh, Joe Lenardi released a bracketology already. It has oh, TCU boy. as a four seed where no way. Uh, yeah, four seed against um, our our friends with our, you know, identical logo, Grand Canyon, um, oh, GCU. And then uh, in the five seed was Arizona. So if we if we were to both win, we'd be matched up in the second round again. It just just for narratives, Lenardi knows how to put that uh, that narrative together on the I want way that too early bracketology. I want that matchup. I want bring it to it Arizona again. Yeah, bring it on. You don't have Benedict Matherin to save you from thirty five feet out this time, but I'm all for it. Now that would be actually hilarious if we were matched up against GCU though, because the logo it always frustrates me. I'm just like, come on, guys, you have. Just one job. Just change up the outline. Change up something. No, it is just identical. So I feel like if that happens, there's going to be a lot of Where's our copyright infringement lawyers? Come on, let's. Yeah, right? Come on, let's get something together. But I feel like I'm going to accidentally pick GCU on my bracket just because I'm like, (laughs) oh, the purple CU, you know? But yeah, that's actually crazy that he, Lenardi, because Lenardi is absurdly good at what he does. Like he has gotten 67 out of 68 teams correct a year before this selection show. Like, he just knows things. I don't know how he does it. So if he says TCU could be a four seed, I will take Lenardi's word for it. But that seems a bit far-fetched for me, just knowing what I know about TCU basketball history, that would just be unworldly. I, I don't. I couldn't even believe it if that happened. I'll take it, though. Yeah, I mean that 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 team that uh, ended up losing to Syracuse in the tournament a few years ago was a six seed, and I, I don't know that they had a particularly impressive, overly impressive yeah. season. A six seed, so I, you know, th- to make a leap to a four, I, I, you know, that's that's totally it's not possible. Crazy, I guess. Yeah, no, because you're right. I thought we had a better season or better resume even last year in yeah. the tournament than we did when we got the six seed. So. Also, kind of funny side note about that game. That game happened like the semester, the month before my college decision was due. 
and I had applied to TCU. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I literally was watching with my parents. I'm like, all right, whoever wins this game, <laughs> that's where I'm going to school. And then Syracuse won, and I'm like, man – that's not forget, what I forget that. Like that's overrated. <laughs> like I'm going to TZU anyway. Like it was supposed to just be. It was supposed to work out. But oh well. But yeah. So in other news, uh, Du Mapaya from the track and field team is a triple jump national champion. He's been racking it up throughout the Big Twelve meets. Now the national meets, which actually track and field is still the only TCU sport going. It finishes up, I think, like June 24th, 25th, 26th, around that area. So, yeah, he's two-time national champion, five-time Big 12 champion, and he has nine All-American honors. So have yourself a career, Dumapaya. Those are some crazy numbers carrying the TCU track team. Absolute legend. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. Like, uh, a Horn Frog legend, nuts. Hall of Fame. Definitely going into the, the Horn Frog Hall of Fame, no question about it. Yeah, he's getting he's getting a little one by one square in the Showmire Arena. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yes, sir. <laughs> a little drawing of his face for sure. Yeah, uh, those things are so cool. I don't know why. I just always have liked that part of the stadium. I had a, a project where we had to do like an augmented reality and bring one of them to life. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, fun stuff. But yeah, and then moving on, kind of back to football, we've got some recruiting action heating up. 24-7 sports has us in the top 20 overall team rankings, which is a good sign. Everybody kind of expected some recruiting hype with Sonny Dykes coming in based on his tenure at SMU. He was a beast at recruiting and bringing in transfer players. So I am I have high hopes as well. Um, for example, four-star D lineman Avion Carter from Amarillo uh, visited – or did he commit already? My bad. He's committed, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, and, and is the the top guy in the class so far. Um, and he's he's the he's the jewel, the bell of the ball at the moment for for this Horn Frog class, and um, he's he's got skills. Like I, I watched some of the the college tape that's available on Huddle or on Twenty Four Seven, and he he lines up inside, lines up as D end. He he can he can push through guys. He's got moves. He, he, he's got a swim, like an, an arm swim where he just gets past the, the O lineman. Um, I'm hearing Jerry Hughes two point. Yeah. He's, he's got speed. He's got power. He's got moves. This guy, this guy's a, a dude, he's a legit four star. Um, you know, I, I think his, his overall ranking might not knock you out of your chair. I think he's in like the one fifties, Something that, like I mean, that overall, really which is good. which is really good. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and he he he's just gonna keep climbing because he's he's definitely got that kind of profile where um, you know if he puts up a double digit sack season in his in his senior season of high school, he's he's gonna just jump up these ranks. Um, but that's a it's a big get for Sonny Dykes to mm -hmm. to shore up that defensive line. Yeah, definitely. I would. I mean, TCU's had a lot of big D, D linemen in the past, like what Ben Banigou, Jerry Hughes, Wayne Daniels. You can go down the list, Ross Blacklock. I mean, just countless. So it seems like a little bit of a DLU, if you will, you know, D lineman U. Let's do it. Let's, yeah, let's. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, you know, we losing uh, some guys to transfer portal, some guys that just, ended up not working out. Um, I think 
getting back to that D line that really frightens the offense, really keeps the keeps the offensive coaches and the quarterback up at night, um, is is what we'd love to see TCU defense get back to. So yeah. hopefully, uh, Mr. Carter can can do that work in the Carter for us. Hey, there you go. Hey, that, was, that worked out. That was a good pun. <laughs> but yeah, no, it seems like last year it wasn't the overarching like horrible problem, but it definitely seemed like at times last season the D line, just the front seven in general, were just making some head scratching plays. Like, guys, come on, what are you doing? Like, we can't give yeah. up thirty yards on a fourth and two run. You yeah, know? Like, the the run the run defense was especially bad, and and yeah. it. Uh, it that obviously starts up front. So, so hopefully we're bringing in the right guys to help fix that up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Who else we got coming in? So, so the other one that uh, committed this week is a three-star offensive lineman. Uh, His name's Cooper powers. He, he plays at uh, De La Salle, which is a powerhouse high school football program in California. Um, three-star guy, but, but an elite student. So he's got offers from Yale and Columbia and UPenn and Princeton. And he also has P five offers like, uh, Washington state, Mizzou, Indiana, I think. So, um, are all he, very good academic he, schools as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this, he, he's definitely a big brain on Cooper and, and he's a big dude ready, ready to, uh, to come in and, and work on the offensive line. And, Again, this has been a a place where TCU, when TCU is really good, they've got the stars on the offensive line. You're, you're Marcus Cannon and, um, you know, th- those guys who go to the NFL and have won uh, Super Bowls and all of that kind of thing. So uh, getting some offensive linemen back in who who can re rejuvenate things, I think, is, is going to be big. And, and um and and hopefully this guy is is a contributor uh, for the future. Yeah, because again, even last year there were I think the offensive line did all right last year. Like I think overall it was, it was pretty pretty solid, but some holes, you, some some big yeah, holes exactly. that that uh, that that fell apart in in key spots. I mean, I think yeah. uh, Obina Easy was really good. I think uh, Steve Avila at center was was solid. Yeah, um, pretty good. But um, you know, it, it has to work as a unit. So. Yeah, that's we'll kind of those are the stats, though, you love to see. Like, I know it's just funny whenever you're reading up on a prospect or a recruit and like they're listed as like the elite student, you know, with all their academic stuff. It's like it's cool to see, you know, that, that's definitely the kind of guy you'd want in your locker room. So love it. And also just personal irony that he goes to De La Salle. It's kind of weird. It's where my my girlfriend went. So ah. <laughs> kind of funny correlation there. But all right. Yeah, so overall with recruiting, I guess kind of already hinted at it a little bit with the Sonny Dykes hype. Uh, do you think he's going to live up to the recruiting prowess to keep TCU going on the trajectory that Gary had us at? Yeah, I mean, it's it's to be determined. The, the hope is that he, he brings us to, to new heights, uh, yeah. certainly. But um, <clears throat> I think it, he's doing all the right things. You know, he's he's putting he's putting the TCU name out there he's hosted that big camp a couple weekends ago where mm-hmm. you know you had hundreds of guys in to to come and and show out not just for TCU but for for other coaches as well so um really showing off what TCU has to offer and 
you know, we've we've been seeing a lot of buzz already. You know, the, there's been a lot of top fives of of big time recruits that include the frogs. Um, a lot of offers going out. So it, it's only going to continue. I, I, I mean, obviously, uh, Ruben Owens, who's the number one running back recruit yeah. uh, for the 23 class, he was on campus. Um, you know, Dykes brought out um, Ladanian Tomlinson to to help out with the visit. The you know, yeah. so uh, and and from from all the news generated out of that, seems like um, Owens really enjoyed that visit and and had the frogs perhaps leading um in his recruitment it's obviously early but um it's it's good to see things like that to to see that big time recruits still understand that this is the pl- place to where they can really showcase themselves and um and have have big success and and be coached up and so it's it's good to see and and hopefully we can bring in the guys the right guys that uh, that get the the Horn Frogs back in the winning ways. Yeah, I think it's also really nice to see Dykes too. Obviously, he's a professional; he knows what he's doing, good at his job. But like to just come in and immediately get on the recruiting bandwagon, you know, just immediately jump into it, already make some splashes is really uh, that's what you love to see as a Horn Frog fan. And overall, I've noticed too just. The way, not to compare Patterson and Dykes by any means, but just kind of the way that Dykes handles the media, the way he is on social media, just interacting with the fans almost. I think he does a great job at it, and it attracts the young players. Like they, they kind of want to play for that fun guy. You know, he's doing all these cool hip things that the kids would say, but like Dykes, Dykes is bought in fully. You can already tell, like he is TCU through and through, and he wants to build the program bigger than we ever thought it could be because obviously Patterson had such a lasting impact. But I think if we're talking about recruiting and adapting to like the modern college football era, he was stubborn. He was just too stubborn. He, he didn't want to adapt didn't want to get involved with this NIL stuff. And it looks like Dykes has already made that a priority. And to see that after just having the job for half a year, love it. Love to see it. Bring me some more dice. Bring us some more five stars. Let's get it. It's a requirement. It's the only way to live right now. I mean, it's it, <laughs> exactly, it really yeah. is. So it, it and and it's it's the thing that probably ended up helping to push Gary out. And yeah. and it's it's what Sonny knows he has to do to to succeed and and to keep things going here in Fort Worth. <laughs> I'll never forget because I went to the event. I don't know if it was like a media event or what exactly to call it, but it was the NIL event with a bunch of business owners from around the area and all the head coaches coming to talk and speak about it. And I think this actually happened like two weeks before Gary got let go. And I covered it for Frogs of War. And the whole time, Gary Gary took over on stage. Like he took the mic and he was basically just yelling like, if we don't get – millions of dollars from you guys we're gonna lose all of our players i got i got guys that want to play football but they want to feed their family more so if they get money they're packing their bags they're going but like he was just going on and on and then it's like okay gary well if you know if you're gonna yell at people to donate shovel you money then maybe you should kind of do something like a plan with what you're gonna do with that money because you know now we're seeing like the jimbo stuff where and the nick saban stuff where you're going to have to basically have a budget for NIL to pay players, like a salary cap. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's what it takes to get these guys, and and it's it's great for the players. I mean, it's absolutely they they deserve to capitalize on on their their 100%. skills and talent and their their marketability. I mean, that the the schools and I mean all of us where we we've got this whole there's a whole you know media industry built around it. Um, so yeah, abs- absolutely deserve all of that. And, and for Gary to say stuff like that, though, it was, it was very, I, I definitely remember all of the news reporting out of that of like, <laughs> well, you know, you don't put any of your guys in front of the media. You don't put yeah, exactly. any of your guys in position to take advantage of any of this stuff. And then, yeah. you know, you're, you're yelling at all the business leaders, like, Hey, all of our players are going to transfer because they're not making any money here. And well, like, well, maybe there's a reason you get, you got to give them that opportunity. Um, yeah. And then and- after somebody complains about no media availability, he gives us the third string tight end. Right, right. Like that's a freshman ROTC walk on. Like, come on, Gary. Come on. Yeah. Like, no fit. Like, love the kid. He's a great kid. But that's not necessarily who we want quotes for after like a really close game, you know? So, yeah. It, it's- yeah. And I think he, he said, he said a lot of problematic things. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was that one or if it was some other interview where he was, you know, he was talking about like, people with dirt floors and like it was just like man it, kinda, it was a little bit of no country for old men like oh boy like this guy i, I don't know he i think he's i think he's gone back. yeah he didn't hold back on some stuff like he was literally like just being like i have guys who are supporting their family entirely they have kids and i'm like all right gary like we don't need to just open up like these kids entire situations yeah like he, he broke down our Darius Washington situation and like why he left for the drafts. And I'm like, I totally understand it, but you know, you don't need to like out this man's struggles, you know, like, like, I, I don't know. It was just a bit extreme. Um, may, I don't know if it contributed to him being let go, but all in all, that's not really the discussion. is isn't about Gary. It's just, I guess my last question for the NIL and recruiting stuff is, Ohio State came out, Ryan Day said that they're going to need about $14 million a year to maintain their roster, and it's probably going to keep going up every year. So do you think TCU is going to hop on that boat where we straight up just have a set budget set aside for NIL purposes or yeah, I mean, having players on salary? like You know, I, I think it's a, it's a tricky thing to talk around because it can't technically be the school saying that, you know – it's that's that's not uh, Ohio State's money that's paying fourteen million dollars. It's Ohio State, uh, I don't know, businesses exactly. in Columbus yeah. or uh, you know some car dealership or Coca Cola or whatever. Um, so yeah, you know TCU does have NIL collectives. Um, I think there there's at least there's one prominent one. There's probably several um, to to go with. Obviously TCU has business leaders fort worth is a is has a it's lot a of perfect uh, yeah, it's a perfect spot you know there's the there's a lot of opportunity um in the space in in the big city here so um you have to think that tcu will absolutely play in that field um i don't know that the um the collectives will generate the kind of cash that ohio state collectives yeah. have or or most of those know, those big those those big places i mean there's just there's just the sheer volume of people. Like, I mean, you, yeah. if you, if you have, 
if you have, uh, I don't know, 20 million people giving five bucks a month to a collective, then, then you're a generating lot a lot of cash. 90,000 giving 20 bucks. Yeah. Right. So, um, it's, and I think, you know, and, and I think what he's, what he's saying there also is a, a testament to their recruiting has been at such a high level that they, in order to, in order to get their players, they need to give them, they need to have big NIL opportunities and in order to keep them, they have to have big NIL opportunities. And because they may not be getting on the field right away either because mm-hmm. the roster is so stacked. So, you know, you've, you've got some, you know, they've, they've recruited five-star quarterbacks like four years in a row. And I mean, CJ Stroud is still going to be the guy Ewers left. Um, they've got, this guy McCord and Devin Brown, they've got, they've got a whole list of I mean, yeah, five-star quarterbacks and, and it, you know, those guys want to play and they could play anywhere else in the country. And if somebody's going to pay them a million dollars or whatever, um, why wouldn't they go somewhere else? So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough, it, it's a really difficult thing for these coaches. I can't imagine it's, it's, their jobs got harder, I'm sure. Yeah, because also like the Ohio State example, one year they had in the same quarterback room, JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow. Two of right. them are first-round draft picks. Guess which one was the starter? Yep. JT Barrett. So it's crazy. you know. And if you think about NIL, would Joe Burrow have transferred to LSU if he was still getting paid as a backup until he got his time? So a lot. there's a lot of uh, butterfly effect kind of things to think about with – the what ifs and what could have been with all this. So I wouldn't be surprised though, just because TCU is, I mean, it's no secret. TCU is a bit of a wealthy school. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to pool together some money, not $14 million, maybe like Ohio state level, but enough to where we can talk to our recruits, talk to our, even our current players and be like, look, here's what we have like from these people that want to work with you kind of thing. Like I, I just want to see more, of being that middleman of helping the players reach the business, which is kind of what was supposed to happen when we made that deal with open house. Right. But I haven't seen like anything come. Yeah. Open doors. I think open Open doors. doors. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I think one player, maybe like Alexander Honig, the German QB, he made like a link in his Twitter bio to where he would, you know, tweet about your company, make an Instagram post. He would do like a FaceTime call all these random stuff just about like his persona and it's awesome, but it's not like big, you know, it's, it's like $20 for an Instagram post and stuff like that, but that's not what's going to feed your family, you know, for these five-star recruits and stuff that kind of need the money now, or else they're going to think about NFL opportunities. So yeah, so many more variables have been thrown into the mix of college football. It's going to be Weird to see how it pans out, but back to just the overall, we kind of went off topic. Sonny Dykes is going to kill it. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident with how he's going. We we're just talking football, you know, we get off on tangents. Well, and yeah, I'm going to keep going on the tangent because, you know, I think, <laughs> I think, uh, in TCU's history, uh, you know, this was obviously before any of our time, but back in the, in the Southwest conference days and in, in the eighties, you know, they, TCU was doing just as much, uh, dirt as SMU was, they were just really bad at it. Um, you know, just getting the wrong guys or like, just, just not good enough. So 
TCU will definitely have the ability to 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 go get the right guys and keep the right guys. And it's just hopefully you you have to hope that Dykes and his his crew of coaches and and everything will get the right guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so far it looks like they're they're doing a pretty good job. I mean, only time will tell, obviously. You never know how these recruits are going to work out in the Carter, but so far, so good. I, I don't really have any complaints from from what we've seen in the offseason. But all righty, that is most of the – I guess it was supposed to be quick news hits, but 45-minute uh, news hits, you know, just just talking TC sports. We're just chatting. Do. Yeah, so kind of going backwards a little bit to the NCAA baseball tournament where TCU fell to, to Texas A&M and College Station in the regional round. We covered that uh, on last week's episode, so if you haven't heard that, make sure to go check it out. But we also predicted our super regional matchup choices, and now we have our final results. So neither one of us did fantastic, I will say. Um, Right off the bat, both of us, and I think 99.9% of the world other than Notre Dame fans, picked Tennessee, and I could not believe that Notre Dame won. I turned the game off when it was like, I think it was three to one Tennessee. And I was like, oh, okay, Tennessee took the lead. They're going to win. Like, I, and I just, I started getting <clears throat> something else. And then my dad texts me like, did you see Tennessee lost? I was like, no way. Like, no way. So crazy things have happened, I guess, but it's, it's insane. After seven losses, all regular season. Oh, that'd be so frustrating. It just points to how ridiculously hard it is to get to Omaha. Like, yes, it, it it's, to get to Omaha alone is so, so difficult. And then to, to end up winning it there. I mean, it's gotta be probably the hardest championship to win. I mean, this being a tournament like this, you know, you, you don't really get any breaks to, to jump into that elite eight. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no skating through, uh, to get to Omaha. I think it's also the most subjective championship in the sense of like, one tiny matchup yep. change could affect the entire yep. bracket, you know, or one one pitching choice, you go with this guy instead of that guy could affect everything. So it's just like so many variables makes it really exciting, though, from a fan's perspective. But, yeah, it, that is that just showcases how hard it is. Makes me feel a little bit better, you know, that TCU didn't make it if, if guys like Tennessee are falling down. But uh, next up, though, we both went 0-1 on that one. Uh, we both went – Want to know on this one though? Both of us picked Texas uh, to advance over um, eight seed Eastern Carolina. So I think they lost game one, right, and then won two and three back to back. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. That last one was pretty exciting. The ECU crowd was was going crazy. I, I watched all almost all of that first game and and looked like such a good time. And they were all throwing the horns down and, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I love yeah, how it's just just at the one game. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty much nationwide towards yeah. down. Yeah, ever since uh, yeah, they complained and, to the Big Twelve. Yeah, the Longhorns are now betting favorites to win the national championship. So I can see that. It, it's which is kind of a bummer, but that is a that is a bummer because I feel like if you know TCU and Texas were to play a two or three game series right now, I'd like to think we would take them down, but. Who knows? I mean, it would be a little bit of rematch from the regular season. They got us in the regular. We get them in the postseason. So it works sometimes. But no, I think it makes sense with Texas as the favorite, just 
based off the field, they ended up qualifying. Uh, although I wouldn't be surprised to see Stanford as the favorite either. I'm sure they're probably not too far They're the behind, second. Right? Yeah, they're number yeah. two. Okay, that, that one makes sense as well. Um, but another Texas team made it. it Would have been the Frogs if uh, all things had gone to plan. But Texas A&M, the Aggies, they took down Louisville. So they're moving on to the World Series. And on that one, I picked the Aggies, Anthony had Louisville, which was honestly incredibly close, though. I mean, those were really good games, really fun to watch, but Louisville couldn't get it done. And then next up, another split one. I took Oklahoma over Virginia Tech, and the upset pulled through. My my one upset that pulled through, my other one not so much. But So Oklahoma is advancing. A lot of people had talked to, about them as a sleeper, kind of getting hot at the right time towards the end of the season, playing well in the Big 12 tournament, and they showed out. They played really well in uh, the regional and the super regional, especially against Virginia Tech. Um, they they earned it. You know, they, they played their heart out. I think it's nice to see another Big 12 team in there, although it's not fun to root for Texas or OU. You know, it makes the Big 12 look better, so there's that. And then Anthony had the Hokies on that one. And uh, then, Anthony, I'll, I'll hand it over to you for the last four. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to close it out, uh, Oregon State did did not get it done. Yeah, I was um, very surprised with that, too. <clears throat> that one against uh, against Auburn. And I, I think a theme here is uh, SEC and future SEC, except for Tennessee. So there's <laughs> – we're going through yeah. Texas, A&M, OU, Auburn, Ole Miss, Arkansas. Quite it's, that's a that's a lot of SEC. So I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, at all. It's it's uh, it's too bad. But um, I, the the worst thing about this game, the the series, um, the Oregon State Auburn series was, I you couldn't tell which team was which because they were wearing they were like swapping yeah. their orange and blue jerseys, and then the ESPN like ticker would have the the colors reversed and you had to like i don't know it was, it was hard as a like just have it on in the background and you're like oh there's a home run or something from oregon state oh that was all it was wrong okay. team yeah it's like oh yeah I, I remember seeing that too on twitter it was confusing but and uh so yeah next one southern miss and ole miss uh and and again the sec team took it and again ryan picked it correctly and i picked it incorrectly I got I got straight up smashed on this uh, <laughs> this this pick. I only I only got three correct of of the eight, so uh, I I didn't do us too proud there. Um, the but Curry I did Cup. get did 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 get Arkansas, and, and actually in the Curry Cup, we're, we're not in too bad shape. I think we're still only two points behind the Left okay. Drinking Club. So that's that's really that's the fight here. I don't I don't yeah. know that we'll catch up to the top, or we're not going to be. Uh, in the winnings there at the top of the list, that's probably not going to happen. But if we could catch uh, the LDC and, and you, you pick through, uh, they, they reset. So you get new picks for, uh, for the college world series. So we might have oh, to, we might, we might have to it. coordinate so that uh, I don't make such bad picks next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's all fine. Anything can happen. Um, and then let's see. Yeah. Arkansas, Arkansas is the team that, I, that I'm, really rooting for I, I think that's the team that i'm hoping wins yeah. um in omaha they're just they're my favorite to watch and and you know i don't have i don't have any ill will towards uh towards the hogs so i think i think that's the team i'm rooting for so sorry uh arkansas fans if that's the kiss of death but <laughs> uh but you're the ones i'm rooting for and then and then yeah stanford took down yukon in uh 
Ryan's big upset pick didn't come through, but uh, went right down to the end. I mean, they had to play I late know. into Monday night and, uh, you know, into the third game. So it was, was it was not a bad you. pick. It was a, it was a good pick. It was, it was no question a good pick. But I was about uh, to text you after happen. game one, like, yo, about the Muskies, but I mean, I knew Stanford would definitely win game two, but yeah, game three was really fun to watch. And then I think I'm also rooting for Arkansas as well. Um, I wouldn't mind Stanford either. Uh, I have no ill will for them, but it would have been whoever beat Tennessee if it wasn't Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I mean. Any yeah. other can't team in the country other than Notre Dame, I guess probably, or USC. I just can't root for either team. I don't know why. Mostly because of college football stuff. But There you go. Yeah, and so I don't want Notre Dame to do anything, but it would have been cool to see, you know, the underdog that beat the number one seed make it all the way, go to the championship. But not the Irish. Not you guys. But yeah, so overall five and three on the picks for me, Anthony three and five. Not, I mean, it's not a major difference, but again, that just shows uh, how crazy baseball is because I feel like Anthony was a little bit safer in his picks because you know I kind of had upsets Oklahoma. came through for sure. Yeah, Oklahoma was an upset. Ole Miss was a bit of an upset. So yeah, they did come through. Sadly, not UConn, but it is what it is. So after kind of having some time off to think about it, just to watch baseball without the stress of being in it and having to worry about elimination games. How do you feel about TCU's loss now? Was that loss in College Station like all-time devastating or was it kind of just, hey, you know, we've had a good season. It's the end. That, yeah. It yeah. I mean, I think in the moment it was, it's, it was mostly hard to lose – in the, the first way. opportunity against to against Schloss and the way we in that too. way. Right. Yeah. I mean, going with the lead into the ninth inning uh, in their building against, you know, with the, the history against it, those, those fans are so crazy and, and it's a, it's a tough environment and the old coach and it felt really like, man, we had it right there. And it was, it was devastating at the time. I think, with a bit of perspective for me, it's, you know, again, on the flip side of that is it's Kirk Sarlos's first season and, and, you know, he's brought him to a a big 12 championship and brought him to that regional final point. And, uh, you know, it's, you couldn't ask for a whole lot more to be honest. I, I think, you know, the team, there was a lot to be proud of. And, and I think it's, uh, it, it sucks to lose, but it's not, for me, it's not on, it's not in the, the top of most devastating losses for in, in TCU history by any means. Yeah. I think at the moment, especially just like being at the stadium in the environment where the emotions were very high in the stands and, it felt like the baseball gods just stuck their hand in my chest, ripped out my heart, stomped on it after that ninth inning because it was a roller coaster. And in the eighth, I was like, oh, my God, we did it. Like, we got that two-run home run, three more outs, please. And then it it, it went down. So it, at the moment, it definitely felt like one of those devastating, just, oh, how could we lose after this with all the hype and everything? But then – now that I've had time to reflect, kind of like you said, I, I think it's not up there with like the worst losses. We didn't necessarily have any expectations 
if we were the the host and in a and m spot and then lost two games in a row that would be way more devastating so it could have been worse it's just kind of once you're there you you want everything like once you get to that point you want it all same thing like with cc basketball after having one tournament win we were like screw it let's go to sweet 16 you know let's do it so like kind of like that uh we were at that point we had a and m where we wanted them and then couldn't get it done um so if you had to pick though what would you say is the most devastating loss of all time yeah i mean for me personally it's probably not an answer that it, that everyone else has mine is is the dallas baptist um loss in 2011 fort worth regional um that's that's a team that coming off of uh in omaha run the year prior had uh matt perk and kyle winkler two superstar ace starters coming back who who both had to kind of work through injuries through the season but but had them available for that regional and um and end up losing that game to to dallas baptist by one run and being that's one where in the stadium the dallas baptist fans were not fun to be around and they were having a good time having won that game and but it, but really and, and that wasn't even the last game of the regional uh tcu ended up losing to oral roberts actually um to get eliminated but that that game it it was Turning like a, a, it was a painful and and clearly uh the frogs weren't going to recover um it was like a, a a huge stab in the in the heart of okay i thought uh coming out of coming out off an omaha team that returns its its two aces why obviously we're going to go back to omaha again and and it felt like oh well if this team's not going maybe we'll never go again and yeah. of course that wasn't the case and and uh, the team went on a run later on, um, but in the moment, that one that one hurt me the most. Uh, not not as not as huge as some of the ones in Omaha, but but for me, that was the that was the painful one. See, I don't necessarily remember that one as much because I was ten when it <laughs> happened, <laughs> so I, I have no comment on that. But I do know what you're talking about, though. Like I, I've just in terms of TCU folklore, like I've heard of that the DBU, and I know. That's kind of one of the big things of our small rivalry between the programs with TCU and DBU. But I think if I had to pick one um, that I was like, you know, really in tune for and the details are going to be fuzzy. But looking back in 2016, Coastal Carolina, that was really frustrating, especially because they went on to win the whole thing. And it was almost like. That should have been us, you know. Should have it, been our year. That was it, our year for sure. It, it was our year. Yeah, I, I think that was the best team we had overall. But again, back to that conversation of crazy stuff happens in baseball. You know, it's just whoever's on their game that day, and that's what happened. So if I had to pick a devastating loss, definitely that. Also, just because we were right there, right there to the national championship, and so that's way worse than losing in a regional, in my opinion. Um, well, not. I, I'm not trying to like compare it to that 2011 one. No, I, I, that's the correct answer. Your your answer is the correct answer, but it's just. I know what you mean in terms you of know. heartbreak. Like, yeah, 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 I get you. Yeah, I was kind of 
meaning like compared to this year, like it's definitely oh, not yeah. as, it's oh, way yeah, yeah. more heartbreaking than what we had happen this year. So overall though, let's hope uh, TC baseball has no more heartbreaking losses next year. Cause I, I'm liking the way we're looking. Let's, looking. let's go get that natty. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, Oh, that reminds me. That's one we left off of the, uh, the news. Um, Baylor infielder, oh yeah, uh, Trey Richardson, Transfer. um, transferred to TCU. So that that fills one of the spots, whether he fills in at at short or at second, um, for the departing Tommy Sacco or um, Gray Rogers. That's that's a huge addition. He was he was excellent against TCU this season, and and. Um, you know, he's been a, a big 12 honorable mention. He's, uh, gets it done defensively and, and, uh, definitely with the bat in his hand. So that's, that's a huge addition to, to fill that hole in the lineup and, and probably jumps right in near the top of the lineup to, to start the season next year. Yeah. He, he's very athletic, uh, just in the few kind of like highlight clips and everything I've seen from him. So very excited to see what uh, he'll offer. And, and I'm sure he will also kind of just find his way right into the lineup. So, yeah. All right. I guess we're already an hour through. So I'll leave it up to you if we want to if we want to do this wrap up, because I'm not we could probably talk about a wrap up for like another hour itself. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, like I, I know don't wanna... we've, we've pushed this off two weeks in a row. I think, I know. Uh, you know, I, I think we can probably hit it next week, to be honest. I mean, there's there's plenty to talk about. We we we've thanks for thanks for hanging out with us uh, yeah, for an for hour, hour already. Hour. I think uh, we don't need to hold you guys any longer. Um, and we're we're in a pretty slow period here. So I think, you know, we're definitely going to start getting into football preview stuff. Um, over the next obviously couple months, but there's still space to uh, to let this season breathe, and we can we can uh, hit the wrap up next time. I think. Yeah, just because again, I think based on how we spent 45 minutes talking about our quick news, I, I think we might spend another hour just, just going through each of these sports. And you know, I wanna I, I wanna do this justice. You know, like if we're gonna do like For a sure. little recap, kind of talk about it, I, I think we need to do it justice. So. I know at the beginning of the episode, I kind of previewed what we were going to talk about, but I, sorry, we're going to push it to next week just because also I'm sure you guys probably don't want to stay for like three hours. You know, that's, that's just a really ridiculously long podcast. So also no, no need to force it. You know, like we have plenty of time to get out the content. Like, like you said, summer, it's going to be slow, going to have mostly kind of the quick news hits and then whatever, fun thing we want to talk about like college baseball scenario and everything. So yeah, we'll see what we got for you next week other than this, but for sure be prepared. We're doing it next week. No matter what we're getting it done. So be prepared next week, 2021, 2022 TCU athletics wrap up every sport kind of going to be diving into a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So Hopefully we can uh, we can get that done. I mean, unless something just absolutely major happens in the next week to where we're like, Oh my gosh, like Jamie Dixon, Sonny Dykes, and Kirk Sarloose all left on the same day. Like, I don't even know, something like that. But hopefully not. Hopefully I we say, I guess I let's, shouldn't let's even get that yeah. into existence. Yeah, that was a bad, bad omen. 
My bad. I, I just try to think of something. All of the five stars listed on 24-7 commit to TCU. That's a better. Let's, that, let's yeah, use let's that, that. Yes. And then we'll have to be like, oh, my God. What are we Arch Manning has committed to TCU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's happening. Book it, guys. You heard it here. Frogsworth <laughs> podcast. Arch Manning. No, no shot. That'd be sick, though. It'd be pretty cool. But come on, leave it to Sonny Dykes. Hey, I, you can make it happen, you know. But alrighty, guys, that's gonna be it for this week. Uh, we appreciate if you stayed all the way through. Always appreciate you guys listening. And uh, as always, feel free drop a comment if there's any sort of segment, anything, any questions you guys have that you want us to cover on the podcast. We are always open ears, and yeah, just appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we have a lot of fun with this, so we'll be back next week to do a little bit of a recap. All right. Till then, go Frogs. Go Frogs.